to worship at Northminster. Whether you're here in person in our sanctuary or viewing this worship service on our YouTube channel, we're so glad that you are all here. If you're visiting with us, we offer you a special welcome and we hope that you'll participate in all aspects of our service today. And if you're here in the sanctuary visiting, that includes participating in communion. The communion table at Northminster is God's table and all God's people are welcome. Just follow the directions in the order of service when it comes to communion time or follow the person in front of you. <laughs> For all of us, our first gift of God at this service is our gift of presence. So if you're comfortable doing so, if you would take the attendance registers you'll find there in the pulpit, uh, in the, uh, the, the, the holders, the hymnal holders on the inside aisle and complete those, we would appreciate it. Our flower committee has gotten uh, a break during Lent, but you will see that Easter calls for celebration. And we're thankful to Marilyn Decker, Peggy Caskey, and Robert Crawford for the beautiful floral arrangements gracing our chancel and our narthex. And also I understand that Samuel Butnig, although he's not a, a part of the flower committee, he is on the worship commission and he was here yesterday doing communion and, and he also got to help with the flowers. So thanks to Samuel as well. And after the service, as usual, please feel free to take some of the flowers to brighten yours or someone else's week. And that includes the flowers in the narthex. Next. Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock, everyone is invited to a special concert here in our sanctuary. ULM vocal music majors Jenny Smith and our own Preston Anderson will be singing songs from their recitals at school and the recent ULM musical She Loves Me that they were both uh, in. They have both uh, been accepted into prestigious programs this summer. Jenny. Uh, an opera immersion experience in Italy in July, and then Preston, the Savannah Voice Music Festival. And so, Preston, congratulations on that. Uh, and they need a little extra money. So that's the reason <laughs> for this concert. The concert's free, but donations are encouraged. So please, please uh, take note of that and please be here next Sunday at 3. And as always, please review the insert in the order of worship for other announcements and opportunities or check out our newsletter. On this Easter Sunday, this most holy of days, this day of resurrection, let us worship God together.
worship together on this uh, bright and beautiful Easter morning. If it doesn't look too bright and beautiful out there, I can assure you, you look bright and beautiful in here. And we know that the sun shines. Just those clouds get in the way. It's kind of like the way life is. The clouds sometimes get in the way of the light. But we worship because we know that God's light of love is shining. Shining on us. Shining on us all. Therefore, let us worship God using the words you find in your bulletin. Oh, give thanks to God for unsurpassed goodness towards us. God's steadfast love endures forever. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to God. This is God's gate. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the day that God has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Hosanna, save us. We beseech you, O God. Give us Bind the festal procession with branches up to the horns of the altar. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed.
from the book of Isaiah. For I am about to create new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. No more shall the sound of weeping be heard in it or the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant that lives but a few days or an old person who does not live out a lifetime. For one who dies at a hundred years will be considered a youth and one who falls short of a hundred will be considered accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity, for they shall be offspring blessed by the Lord and their descendants as well. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, but the serpent, its food shall be dust. They shall not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh, 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 oh,
God of all ages, whom we worship with such a great cloud of witnesses throughout time, may we be your witnesses in our time, sharing the good news of your everlasting love. We give thanks for your light, which breaks even the darkest days, where people suffer in the darkness of war and savagery, bring the light of peace where children suffer under dark deeds of brutality and violence, bring the light of solace and release. Where sickness and infirmity darken life, bring the light of your healing. O Lord, when darkness comes to those who are oppressed and injustice, Ridden, we pray for your liberating light, the liberating light of your love. For the darkened church with the lights turned off, by your revitalizing power, turn the lights on and keep them on. Lord, make us bearers of the light wherever we go. We pray in the name of God's eternal light of love. Amen. reading from the Gospel according to Luke. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, 
they came to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in, and he saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home, amazed at what had happened. The Gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Imagine you're at the lowest point you can go. You can't take it anymore. Your dreams are demolished, your hopes crushed, your present and future in one moment is stolen and destroyed. You come up to the most important hour of your life and you failed the test. The time comes to Take a stand and you fall flat on your face. That's the way the disciples of Jesus must have felt after the arrest, torture, and crucifixion of Jesus. I know Judas usually gets the blame, but Scripture tells us all the disciples forsook Jesus and fled. Imagine their despair. Imagine how low they were. And then all of a sudden, a group of women rush in and tell the story that you heard in the text this morning. The empty tomb, the stone rolled away, the angels, good news, Jesus has been raised from the dead. Uh Uh-huh. The response of the male disciples, we could expect, to them it is what the text that was read, that version said, was an idle tale, gossip. You see, that's how most English translations 
render that word from the Greek. Idle tale. A young wife's tale, perhaps. And that's led to a sexist, patriarchal interpretation of this word. The words of the women are demeaned as gossip, as the triviality of femininity. But the Greek has a different tale to tell. The word translated idle tale is more accurately translated from the Greek as hallucinations incurred during certain illnesses. <laughs> the word is delirium. Okay, that's well, not too nice either, but the disciples, you see, thought the women were delirious, out of their heads. It was all in their heads. What they said had no basis in reality. A delirious patient sees what is not there. A couple of years ago, while I was enduring a lengthy hospitalization, I became convinced that there was a demon in my room waiting to smother me, just waiting when the lights went out and the nurses were gone, the demon was going to smother me. Now, you see, that's a problem because I don't even believe in demons. But I knew the demon was there. I was so convinced in my delirium that I requested a visit from the chaplain. Well, the chaplain never came. The demon never came. They changed my pain medication. You see, usually we condescend to the delirious one, like the disciples may have responded to these delirious women. Sure, the tomb was empty, uh, rolled, stone rolled away, oh really, angels, two of them, mm -hmm. raised from the dead, well, bless your hearts. <laughs> and as you know, bless your hearts is a polite southern way of saying, you stupid idiots. <laughs> these women must be out of their minds. They must have eaten some of those funny-looking mushrooms or gotten a hold of some really funky goat meat. The disciples dismissed them as daughters of delirium. But soon the male disciples would see for themselves what was real. The daughters of delirium would become sisters of surety. Their witness becomes the cornerstone of the gospel. First to the women who immediately believed and then to the men who believed begrudgingly, belatedly. God seems to have a habit of calling women as the pioneers of faith. Now arguably the oldest extant unit of literature in the Old Testament is a woman's song. The song of Miriam, as it was. A song she sang and choreographed for the children of Israel when they were rescued from Pharaoh's army at the Red Sea or Sea of Reeds. Sing to the Lord, for God has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider he has thrown in the sea. Now no one knows the tune, but I can imagine this good news being proclaimed by women singing in glad celebration, joyously jingling their tambourines. And it's the story that is the core of the Hebrew tradition. 
No daughters of delirium here. They witnessed the deliverance. They saw for themselves what God has done. And to this day, at this time of year, the OG of God's people, you know what OG means? Y'all know? Original gangster? (laughs) The OG of God's people, the original who put the Judeo and the Judeo-Christian tradition, our Jewish sisters and brothers commemorate the Exodus as the act that constituted their existence. You see, Passover, it's variations on a theme composed by Miriam and her sisters of surety. Surety. A witness sure enough to have lasted over 3,000 years. Yeah, but what about Moses, the star of the Exodus extravaganza? Well, remember who saved his skin by putting him in a basket of reeds, who raised him as true as a Hebrew and as educated as an Egyptian. It was his mother, sister, and Pharaoh's daughter who made it possible for Moses to become the big man and the big plan. God must have a bias toward women. Sorry, guys, I can't help it. It's in the Bible. The first word of good news in the New Testament is in the mouth of women. Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, proclaiming the word, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, singing the word. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And now on Easter morning, the Old and New Testaments fuse in the words on the lips of the women who've been at the tomb. They are called to recall all that Jesus said, and they do. They remember and they run to tell the good news to all who will listen. News so good that the world will never be the same. And that experience of those women is why we are here today. If they had remained daughters of delirium, we would not be here in this place celebrating this day. Look, history is full of religious delusion, full of opportunistic oracles and seers who see only that which is self-serving, holy hallucinations, commonplace in the pious cultures of every country. Know what the women saw and the tale they told was not the result of delirium. They're not sick or self-hypnotized, or victims of mass hysteria, what they saw was real. They are the sisters of security because they are eyewitness to the reality of God's victory of life over death. The truth is that death will never have the last word. God will have the last word, and that word will be life. Love does not die. Not for good, not forever. Can you believe it? One of my favorite Texas troubadours is Guy Clark. And Guy Clark sings about being deep in the heart of uncertain Texas. (laughs) Turns out there really is a town in Texas by that name. It's right across the border uh, north of Shreveport. Uncertain Texas. We've all been there, even though we haven't been there. Uncertain Louisiana. Uncertain Monroe. 
uncertain anywhere, uncertain everywhere. In fact, some of us live there. But on this Easter morning, our place of uncertainty and skepticism is invaded by these sisters of surety. They say to us today, He is not dead. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Everything is changed. Our first reaction may be like the men who first heard them. We may have a tendency to dismiss the good news as the incoherent rantings of a bunch of borderline women. But if we stop and listen again, listen as though our lives depend upon it, it is the one sure thing on which we've always wanted to bet our lives. For if Christ has risen, everything has changed. That means everything has changed for us. Our hopes rise from the grave with Jesus. Our dreams are resurrected to new life. And the old indomitable enemies that have held us in their grip are vanquished. Injustice, violence, fear, death have lost their grip over us. What the women say is sure. We are freed to live by the one who broke free from death and darkness. Think what what that means for us. Think what it means for all humanity. It means that what looks like the end is just the beginning. It means the good we could only imagine now can be greater than we could ever imagine. That means those without a ghost of a chance now have a holy ghost of a chance. As sure as the women are, this one who was dead is alive. And we share that life with him. Nothing in this world or any world to come can stop him now. Nothing can stop us, for we are surging with resurrection power in every fiber of our beings. This morning, the entire cosmos pulsates with Easter power. And you may say, again, it doesn't look like Easter all over. You may say death and darkness still seem to rule reality, But look again at the light of life shining in the faces of the women at the tomb. Listen again to these sisters of surety. Even denial, dismissal, derision cannot silence their shouts of surety. And this surety surrounded the disciples and made them apostles, sending them out to assure the world of the good news of God in Jesus Christ. Something transformed a whimpering group of defeated, distraught disciples into a force that spread throughout the world that something was the power of the resurrection. So our choice is clear. Will we try to pass off our own self-styled religious notions and be offsprings of the daughters of delirium? Or will we be offspring of the sisters of surety, not giving witness to ourselves, but to the risen Lord? Those women rush from the tomb and run right up to us. Breathlessly, they tell us their story. What are we going to hear, do with what we hear? Dismiss them, ignore them, patronize them, humor them. Look into the eyes of those women. See the good news of life over death. 
And then think of all those around us longing for, looking for justice, love, peace, light. What do those around us in need of good news see when they look into our eyes? Do they see the good news of God's all-welcoming, all-affirming, death-defying, eternal love? O oh, risen Lord, let it be.
took bread, he broke it, he said, this bread is my body, broken for you. And in a similar manner, after supper, he took the cup, and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. All of you. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show forth the Lord until he comes again. And now, in his name, we pray the prayer Jesus taught his followers always to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thank you. 